We are not telling you to quit your job. Here at Off The Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast, we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you. This is OTC University and class is in session. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneur Podcast. As always, I am the captivating, motivating, tentilating, and money-making Mr. Carborn Jr. And I got my main man, Mr. Paulo Chang. Paul, say what's up to the people. Hey to the listeners. Look, I was gonna hit y'all with a late night radio voice, but I didn't just I didn't have my music in time. I apologize. I was vastly underprepared for that bit, but hey, I am happy that you guys are here with us on another episode. It's gonna be a good one. Strap in, strap in. And if you're driving, please drive safely because this is going to be a good one. Yes, sir. Appreciate that, Paul. So, guys, you know, every week we love to bring you special guests. Of course, this week is no different. With that being said, very, very excited about today's episode. I feel like we've got like a living legend in the building right now. Like this is this is incredible that we're even here about to have this conversation. But uh, bear with me, guys, because this is such an impressive resume that I'm about to tell you guys about. But our guest today is, of course, part of the PT fam. So we're back home with physical therapy today. We have a uh, physical therapist that is certified in so many things, guys. Oh, my God. Spina- spinal manipulation certification, manual therapy certification. Uh, he's a fellow of the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists through Evidence in Motion, Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist from the National Strength and Conditioning Association, and CrossFit Level 1 Certified. He is the CEO of ICE, the Institute of Clinical Excellence, through which he teaches 40-plus weekend seminars developing excellence in orthopedic physical therapy across the U.S. and Canada. Without further ado, we have the man, the myth, the legend himself. We have Dr. Moore, Dr. Jeff Moore. Yes, sir. Dr. Moore, thank you so much for joining us. How are you feeling? Yeah, what's up, guys? Thank you very much for the gracious introduction. Uh, Thrilled to be on the show. Appreciate the opportunity. Um, Love that you're getting outside of PT a bit and talking about success in other arenas. I think we don't talk about that enough. It's kind of outside of our comfort zone. So thanks for being the tip of the spear and thrilled to be on the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. So right off the bat, we like to be respectful of your time. With that being said, we always like to start with why, because there's so much that comes from that why that you have, right? There's so much that has developed and has been brought into fruition from that. So tell us, why did you even choose to pursue the field of physical therapy? You know, it seemed like the venue where I could have the most human connection. I've always been interested in human performance, mental and physical human performance. I think that developing that or fostering that in somebody else uh, requires adequate connection. You, You can't do it in a seven minute office visit. You can't do it in a passerby kind of circumstance. I mean, you gotta be with people for a bit of time to be able to dive into what their motivations are and and where they're heading and and how maybe you can facilitate that. And as I looked around, you know, after I got out of school and kind of took a couple of years to just collect myself and figure out where my passions really lie, uh, that seemed to be the field that facilitated the opportunity to make the greatest change in other people's lives. And I tell you, many years later, I sure am thrilled I went this direction. 
I like it. Um, let's let's because we you know we like to have a little fun on this podcast as well as be serious. Um, I want to just start off by kind of talking a little bit um, just about your background, right? Just give the people you know how how you got to where you are and what you know maybe some of those highlights were along the way for you. Yeah. So as far as uh, getting, you know, going to PT school, that was kind of the classic decision between all the healthcare disciplines and then doing a bunch of shadowing and ultimately choosing that as the route. Um, once I got through, um, grabbed my first job up in Montana. It's always kind of funny grabbing your first gig. You're not exactly sure what's going to facilitate your long-term success, but wound up in a killer spot um, called Excel Physical Therapy up in Montana. And, you know, I'm really a believer that the way you're first sensitized drives a lot of your very long-term behaviors in, in your field. And I was lucky to be around a lot of people who cared a lot about excellence. You know, it, it was not a mill. It was not somewhere that people were trying to do high volume to make maximum dollars. It was somewhere that was truly setting an example for combining all the skills we have to change people's lives. And, and I'm forever grateful for that opportunity. Um, was there for a bunch of years and then went and ran a clinic with my brother back in upper Michigan. I'm from a real small town in the upper peninsula of Michigan up by Lake Superior. Um, that's, where I, that's where I'm born and raised. Spent a couple of years working there and then moved out here to Colorado in 2016. Um, and we're going to stay out here until my kids graduate high school here in a few years. I just got to take a moment and kind of shout out my people from Michigan. I'm from the lower peninsula. I've been to the yeah. one time. Yeah. And that was the last time I ever went. Just because, you know, like how, how the cell connection just, at least for me, my cell service went out as soon as I crossed as soon as I crossed, I was like, all right, yeah, this is not, it's not going to work for me. <laughs> Shout there's, out to there's, nothing, there's nothing up there, man. I mean, it, it, it's a beautiful place if you want to get away from it, but you're definitely away from it. That's true. That's true. Anyway, Carl, just take on, I just needed to shout out my Michigan people there for a second. All right. Now that you got that out of your system. So, uh, <laughs> no, nah, he, he, he's Michigan pride, uh, but it's a little weird, Dr. Moore, I will tell you, because He's an Ohio State fan. Sorry, I just had to put that out there. Yeah, right. It's kind of weird, but we'll we'll let him live. Um, we'll let it go. <laughs> getting back to just um, physical therapy for a second. So how did, talk to us a little bit of, about the, the, the birth of ICE and, and, and how that happened and, and what was the motivation behind creating that? Yeah. So because this is kind of an entrepreneur podcast, I'll, I'll share with you kind of the actual origin story, because I think it's important to think about having this stuff on your radar. I was actually invited to be a teaching assistant for another company at a course in Chicago. And I, I had a small bit during the weekend where I got up there and did a little spiel um, and taught a couple techniques, very small part of the course. But I was driving back, I was driving my pickup back home to upper Michigan from Chicago. And the, the folks from the class called me and said, Hey man, we really dug your part of the class. Would you come back and do one on your own? And I was like, yeah, sorry, I, I can't do that. I don't have my own company. And I hung up and, and then I kept driving and I was like, well, why, why couldn't I have a company? You know, like, like, I mean, I don't have one right now, but this seems like a reasonable opportunity. So I called the dude back and I was like, dude, I'll come back. You know, I'll build a class and I'll come back. I love this stuff. So I went back and did my own class and there were two folks there who said, you got to come to my clinic and do the same thing. So I did. And so, so it began where I was driving my truck around Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Michigan, just doing these small classes 
four or five people a weekend, losing money the whole time, but loving it and, and, and building some momentum and really realizing like, man, do I love getting in a room of motivated people trying to figure out how to get better. And you can feel inside of you of like, even though profitability is not there right now, there is something that is speaking to me about what I'm doing. And I've got to figure out a way to make this turn. I love that. I love that. And me and Paul always have these conversations because there's always kind of like this this borderline where you have the, the SPTs or the new grads that are interested in potentially, you know, being in business for themselves or, or, you know, having their own business, but they always think it looks like just having a brick and mortar clinic. You know, they, they, they never really think about, there's so many ways out here to, to, to make that happen. Right. And for you, it just was like in your face, like I can do this. Why not? You know, and um, man, the, the, the brand that you've been able to build out of it is amazing because you, you know, you, you, you guys have the seminars and even the podcasts and everything that has come from it. You know, it, it's just a testament to what you can build when you have consistency, you know, and, and you bet on yourself. So um, shout out to you for that, because I think a, a, a lot of people tend to shy away from what they could be doing because they don't bet on themselves. Right. So what I want to what I want to ask you now is just like in terms of in terms of the business in terms of the growth that you've seen what would you say has been like the best advice that you received from a mentor for your business that you just like you took it and it was like wow things just really started to turn around or just went to another level after you took that advice I've always said that the best quote that I've ever been told and, and lived by is if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I see so many people who want to go fast and they go alone. And that works for about three years, right? Because after that, you've got no supporting cash. You've got no diversity of ideas and beliefs. You've got no people who can support, support each other's weaknesses and strengths. It is not a recipe for longevity and actual foundational growth. It doesn't have that solo. So early on, Carl, I, I, re, I heeding that advice, I reached out to a few of my, my, my people in my circle who I just authentically looked up to the most. And I said, look, I got an idea and, and I think we ought to send it together. And it's tough, man, because going together at the beginning, there's a reason going alone is faster because going together is a little bit laborious, right? Because you've got more cooks in the kitchen. You, you've got to consider other opinions. You've got other things that are coming up. There's a reason going alone is easier. But if you take that time to, to develop that early team and really develop that early trust and everyone's on the ground floor, people talk about the culture of ICE and why is it so strong and so unique? Well, it, because it's been that way from the beginning. You know, we, we, we did it together early on. And I think having that history and origin story together creates a bond you can't manufacture the other way. You know, uh, you just mentioned something that is super like speaks to me because I 100% believe in that, right? Um, if you want to go far, go together just because it speaks to that teamwork aspect of things. Um, you know, something I was thinking about today, actually, that I wanted to do a video about was even the kind of dynamic you have with the people that you pick to be on your team and how that 
either advances or holds you back, right? So for you, as you were kind of picking that circle or thinking about, hey, what's this going to look like for you? What were your thought process when trying to identify like, hey, who should be on my team? That's a great, that, that is a great question, Paul. And I think the best advice I can give is don't try, right? Like, like let those relationships present themselves authentically. I think so many times people want to grow. Don't make it about the growth. Make it about the product, right? That you're doing this thing perfectly and you're going to bump into other people who come up and say, look, I don't know what it would ever like, look like for me to be on your team, but I want to contribute to this thing you're doing because I really believe in it. Like people are going to manifest themselves naturally and authentically and without you needing to try to facilitate these conversations, if you're doing it right, there are going to be people that are a good match for you that are going to authentically and organically present themselves that you're going to be able to then say, I think this is a good fit. I see too much attempt at growth and not enough allowing it to, to organically uh, manifest. And those are two really different ways of looking at business, right? Like I hear so many folks, Jeff, how do I grow? How do I grow? Stop trying to grow. Just do the thing you're doing better than everybody else and be open to finding people who share your passion and bring them into your fold, but don't set targets. Just let the excellence do what it does. When you say don't set targets, um, my follow-up question to that, you know, cause it almost kind of, I think people get so ingrained that, yo, I need to have goals, what smart goals, all that stuff. And then you, you get so caught up in like measuring your worth by what you hit right? We see it so often when people are like, oh, I want to be a millionaire. I want to make six figures. And then what we found out as we interviewed people is that when people have hit those goals, they've just been like, oh, okay, well, what now? Right? Yeah. So when talking about, hey, just experience that, how do people really do that? Because I genuinely believe that that's actually harder to do than it sounds, right? Because it requires a certain detachment from the process, but an enjoyment of it at the same time. So kind of break down what that actually looks like. Yeah, I, I love that, Paul. I love I love this topic in general because it really does separate how you're looking at where, at where you're going into two very different camps, right? That idea of trying to hit these metrics, right? These numbers, these, these financials, if you will. Or on the other hand, sort of doing the opposite. And what I would say is chasing the energy experience. So, so th that's what I try to encourage and all the folks I spend time with is you're going to find some things in life that give you back more than you give it. There are these certain things that you are meant to do, right? That when you're vibing with it, you walk out. When I drove away from that first course in Chicago, I had taught for 20 hours and I was out of my mind with energy driving that truck home. And I remember thinking to myself, I should not have this kind of energy. I just gave those people everything I had for 20 hours and I am jacked right now. And it's like, that's what you got to chase. The, the reason people have burnout is they're not chasing that. They're chasing numbers. They're chasing data sheets. They're chasing printouts. I'm always chasing that feeling. I don't care if there's two people, seven people, 80 people. I don't care about that. I've, I've always been disconnected from that way of looking at success. All I care about is that when that bell rings at 5 p.m. on Sunday, that everybody in that room, be it three or 30, everybody was like, something just mattered. Something just happened that really mattered. And if that's the only thing you chase, the other stuff will take care of itself. 
don't even don't, don't give it a moment's thought. If you keep creating that experience, all you got to do is get yourself out of the way of the other success. That'll manifest naturally. But if you try to go the other way, you'll run out of energy in the process. This tends to be what happens between those two camps. Now, I would be doing a disservice if I didn't if I didn't uh, really hone in on 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 the physical therapy aspect of things, right? Because I know a lot of the listeners, a lot of the, the people that are going to hear this, they want to hear some PT talk, right? So let's give the people a little bit of what they want. Um, with that being said. Dr. Moore, talk to me a little bit about just in terms, because I mean, you got a lot of certifications under your belt, right? And even, even with uh, ICE, you guys offer a lot of certifications as well. So just from a standpoint of, let's say the, the new grad PT, or even just the SPT that is looking like, okay, graduation is a little less than a year for me now. I'm thinking about my next move once I'm done, what does it look like being able to navigate getting certifications that can take you further and trying to make sure that you're focusing on actually developing your skills and getting your hands right um, with your patient caseload? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Because the first thing I'll say is that you've got to recognize that things like board certifications, things like I, I've done the OCS, I've done my fellowship, I've, do, I've done some of those kind of traditional um, postgraduate uh, accredited credentials, right? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like none of my patients have ever cared about that. And, and that's, that doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It does mean you don't want to expect that to drive patients to your door, right? So, so you, you got to be aware of that. Not saying it's not worth the investment. I, I think there's a lot of great skills in some of those programs, but be wary if you're thinking, ooh, when I do that, it's gonna bring patients to my door. It is not going to accomplish that for you. So what I think you really wanna do is, and it kind of goes back to the other conversation. If there's one piece of advice I can give that new grad, it is figure out who you wanna serve, right? You've gotta figure out who do you want to solve problems for? Because that's gonna be your jam. And it's got to be something that you love, right? That you're about. We always talk about be about it. Like you've got to be leading in the area that you're trying to bring people to a better space within you yourself, your personal behaviors have got to be in that space. So if you want to, if you want to preach to CrossFit athletes, you've got to, you've got to live and breathe that you've got to have your level one. You've got to, you've got to have some training that shows that you are spending your weekends off trying to get perfect at serving that that individual so i think the biggest thing is figuring out who serving who is going to fill your tank the most and then going from there and figuring out what kind of curriculums are going to support that like our company ice is very fitness forward right we, we we are a very fitness forward organization we are fitness forward in the way that we develop clinicians to do rehab we are very fitness forward in who we're marketing towards across the age spectrum so we have that niche if that's who you want to serve we're a great choice if it's not how you want to behave if it's not who you want to serve we're probably not so so knowing who you want to serve best is going to guide a lot of those decisions so from a standpoint of someone who you know maybe they're just not getting out of school and they're thinking about going into, let's just say OCS, right? They want to, they want to get their certification with OCS, but they're looking at that, right? But they stumbled across ICE 
and they see, oh, there's, there's some certifications here as well. There's a clinical excellence certification, right? There's clinical management of the fitness athlete certification. I think the, the, the clinical management of the fitness athlete kind of resonates with me more. And now I'm weighing between that and the OCS. What would you say or what would be your, your, your pitch to people who are interested in that, but they're maybe trying to find the value behind it? Because it's not like your, your typical cert, right, that most people get, right? It's something that's unique and um, it may not be something that people have heard of before. So like, what is the value point with that? And, and kind of how do they decipher between, you know, picking an ICE course or an ICE cert, like getting certified or just going with one of the more traditional certs that you typically see in PT? Yeah, yeah, great question. So if you compare like the clinical excellence certification to like the OCS, if you will, like, first of all, we have to admit that your patient's not gonna care either way. I know we just said that, but it's important to start there, right? So that's probably should not be a driver in your decision. So that being said, what's the difference? Well. When you look at like the, the clinical excellence certification, it's going to be a very aggressive look at rehab from a fitness forward perspective, right? And I mean aggressive across the board, like aggressive in incorporating fitness into your actual rehab approach. Um, very, very aggressive from a marketing and sales perspective and trying to build up your business, treating really high-end folks, whether it's triathletes or fitness athletes or, or postpartum women trying to get back to fitness. I mean, we are very, very much going after that active adult trying to get back to 125%. Right. So, so, so those are our people and that's how that's geared. The clinical excellence certification has a practical component. So the exam for that has an oral practical, unlike the OCS, we literally watch you with a live human, go through a case, do a physical exam, do manipulations, work in psychologically informed language, show us your manual therapy chops, talk about your clinical reasoning. It's a very aggressive in-person, you know, real world approach. The OCS is going to be a, a more standardized exam that's going to review a lot of what you've done in PT school that's done over a computer. Nothing wrong with that, but, but probably not going to be as progressive, not going to be nearly as fitness forward, not going to be going after that same population. Going to be a bit broader though, right? You're going to hear a lot of things about neurological populations and things that we really don't target in our very direct approach to fitness forward rehab of active adults. So it really matters on, do you know who you wanna treat? Another thing to think about with the OCS, if you wanna teach later on, or you wanna do something maybe in like the APTA or in one of those more organized systems, we are not plugged into that. So getting a clinical excellence certification is gonna do nothing for you on that side of the world, whereas the OCS might. So if you want to open up your own shop, be in private outpatient, right? Maybe even be in cash pay, getting in the box, serving fitness athletes, being aggressive about your approach to business, that's clinical excellence certification. If you want to really make sure you know what your school taught you, maybe plug into a school down the road, be involved in the APTA, that world's probably more OCS. Let me just say I'm loving this energy right now. I'm, I'm, I'm feeding off of this. I love it. Let me... So let me transition because this has been a hot topic, so to speak. And I, I really want to know, you know, your, your perspective and your thoughts on it. But there has been kind of like this, what's the word I want to use? Let's just call it what it is, right? There's been this issue with 
you have clinicians that come out, right? And they don't want to refer to themselves as doctor, right? Whereas there's also this people that come and they're like, listen, you're a doctor of physical therapy. You now have your doctorate. You have to conduct yourself in that manner in order for these other clinicians, these MDs, you know, these orthopedic surgeons to respect you, you need to be able to hold that doctor title with the bat, like a badge of honor, right? And so on one side, there's the PTs that are like, nah, like just like, there's no need to call me doctor, Dr. Moore, just, hey, I'm Jeff, I'm your PT. You know what I'm saying? And then there's the other side that's like, no, I'm Dr. Moore. Uh, that's how you're going to address me. What do you think about that concept from a standpoint of us being able to, quote unquote, earn respect, right? Because that's the thing that a lot of people say is like, you may not earn your respect because you don't own the title of a doctor, right? So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I've got two thoughts. On, I've got two primary thoughts on that, Carl. The first one is that titles don't get respect. Excellence gets respect. Bottom line. You can call yourself whatever you want, man. And when that patient walks in and you give them 60 seconds of excellence or, or 60 minutes of excellence, end to end, bell to bell, awesome reassessment, great manual therapy skills, great soft tissue work, awesome loading, Olympic lifting coaching, great home program. Dude, they don't care what you called yourself. They walk out and say, not only am I stoked on coming here, my whole family's coming here from now on. Like, like this is this place is different and by different, I mean better. That's all there is to it. Titles don't get you respect. Excellence gets you respect. And I think we've got to embody that. Number two, to be fully transparent with you, because I feel we're having a good off-the-cuff conversation, I don't really want to be associated with a medical industrialized complex. To be honest with you, I'm not sure how much health it's really brought our society. So I don't have this same level of guru respect for the title of doctor that everybody else seems to have. You know who's changed a lot of my life? My CrossFit coach. You know who's changed a lot of my life? People who are leading their own lives, leading from the bottom, right? Maybe folks who don't have this fancy credential that, that they're always labeling their jacket with, but who live every single day like it's their last. And a lot of times those folks don't have a big credential. They just live a really big life. So for me personally, I don't think that term doctor comes with a lot of respect from me. You know, I don't think the medical industrialized complex is something to revere for delivering and promoting health. So I don't feel the need to be connected to it. If you want to call yourself that, call yourself whatever you want. Um, for me, it's going to be Jeff and we're going to get to work. That's a mic drop right there. Go ahead, Paul. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just letting it sit for a second. That's it. I just, I just need, because somebody's like, I guarantee somebody's listening right now and they're just like, dang. Okay. Somebody um, is upset. Somebody's upset, yeah. which means somebody's it's a great upset, episode. You know? <laughs> Every time somebody gets upset here, we make more progress. Um, hey, let me ask you a quick question, just to kind of transition a little bit to into the entrepreneurship side of things. So uh, very first question I have to ask you, do you think anybody's capable of being an entrepreneur? I've never really understood that term all that well. Like I've, I've been called that a lot of times in the past, um, I have started companies. I, I think I've been involved. I've never thought about being overly interested in the business side. It's more happened as a byproduct of trying to do something I really care about. So I, I guess if that's entrepreneurship, do I think everybody is 
is capable of doing what they love and including others along the way and ultimately that becoming something that maybe generates some profit and economic viability yeah i, I think it's reasonable so let me ask you this oh this is gonna be good let me ask you this so then taking that into consideration because i think you know as carl mentioned before he's one that's in pt school i'm pre-pt but i went through the process like you know i have my pt clinic we have the other businesses and something i've noticed as a pre-pt right um is there seems to be this like okay confusion i'll call it a confusion right i was calling a crisis now it's like apparently it's not a crisis because the desire is not there but how then do people start to address that lack of satisfaction when it comes to like how much they're making because i mean think about it eric everybody and their mom is talking about this coming out of PT school. You know, yeah. I, I see some people, um, I'm not going to mention the Facebook group, but if you're listening and you know the group, then you know what I'm talking about. But half the people in there like, don't accept this, don't accept that, don't let more than like, and other people are like, appreciate your job, say yes. But then the, the main thing is like, oh, we're not making enough money. But to me, like when it comes to this specific industry in healthcare, it seems like the sol the solution at this moment, unless something changes on the insurance side, becomes like, I need to do my own thing. I need to start my own practice. But I also feel like people are not set up to do that. So my question is, how then from your perspective, would you go to address and fix or improve that situation? Yeah, great question. You, you gotta stop being reactionary. That's the issue, right? Like you gotta know what you need to be satisfied. I think a lot of folks don't know what they need. They don't ask for it, they don't go for it. And then all of a sudden they're like, you know what? I'm not happy with what I got. Well, that's because you got whatever they gave you, right? Like, and I'm, I'm not saying don't be satisfied. I am saying have a really good idea of, this is what I think I'm worth. And then go shop for that. And if you don't find somewhere that can offer you what you're worth, prove to yourself you are worth it and create it. And if you can't, you weren't worth it, <laughs> right? So you were wrong and you got to readjust those navigational abilities. But do that, right? If you want to be in a larger st structured setting where you're not um, starting a business, so to speak, and you just don't want that hassle, it's not your jam, well, then go to different structured settings and say, here's what I really think I'm worth. Can you give me six months to prove that to you? If, if, you, don't, if you don't agree at six months, I, was, I wasn't worth it, I'm out of here, right? Or you can change my pay, right? We'll figure that out. But here's what I believe I'm worth. Will you give me a shot to show you that? Go make that pitch, right? Go around and make that pitch. If no one takes you up on it, but you really believe you're worth it, now you do got to go prove it. Because you're only, you can only negotiate what you can prove if you don't get help, right? Like you can only negotiate if you're willing to walk away and say, I can do that. I don't want to do this alone, but I know I can and I will if I have to. So, so you got to go in with that mindset and you got to be willing to do it, right? If, if, if no one steps up um, and hits you in that sweet spot. And I think, you know, Paul, we've proven this. Like, so we own Onward Physical Therapy. So um, Zach Long, the barbell physio, if you're following Instagram, Zach's got a bunch of great stuff on there. So myself, Zach Long, and Jordan Berry own bar, um, Onward Physical Therapy. So we've got a bunch of clinics around the U.S. They're all, um, all outpatient. They're all 100% cash-based. Um, and we've shown 
that this model works. And we're showing it more, we add about five clinics every year. So we're showing you can do this in a wide variety of cities if you're delivering excellence. So know that it can be done if you can get yourself up into that top five and 10%. If you can't, you got to shut the old yapper. Right. I mean, if you, if you can't deliver, you can't, you can't be making those big demands. So you got to figure that out. So let me, let me ask you now from a standpoint of uh, marketing, like what are, what are the things that you focus on to really like place ice in a position to succeed, but also place uh, onward physical therapy in a position to succeed just as far as like your marketing tactics and uh, how you go about navigating that. Man, I, I don't I don't want to I don't want to disappoint your listeners and say I got nothing on the, on the answer to that question, but the real the answer is somewhere real close to that. <laughs> so we've always believed, Carl. It's we've always kind of felt like a jam band, right? Like we do it on game day, we do it on the weekend. Like if you deliver a product that just rattles somebody with a level of transformation and excellence, if Sunday they walk out and say, "Get out of here," like. I've been looking for this forever. Like they're going to tell everybody, man, they're going to bring four people next time. You don't have to have some brilliant engineered marketing platform. If you've got people bringing three of their friends every time they come to your show. So we've done that the whole way along, you know, and we've had some cool things. Like I'm not sure how much time we have on this podcast to share this story, but feel free to cut it out. Um, Dude, the, the, way, the way that PT on Ice started the show, the, the podcast, I, I, I never tell this story, but I'll share it with you right now. So I was, I was sitting in my treatment room in Michigan, and, and this was 2000, maybe like 12, maybe 13, 12. So, so I'm sitting in my treatment room, and my buddy calls me from, from North Dakota, and he said, hey, Jeff, you had showed me this technique years ago. I forgot how to do it would you show it to me on video? And I said, well, Brian, I don't have a video, man, but I heard about this new app called Periscope. And I think if you turn it on and I turn it on and I do this technique, you're going to be able to see me in real time. So we did that. And I went and treated my next patient and I came back in Twitter. I had like 10 notifications and they were like, Hey dude, we just saw you do this technique. That was awesome. Would you do something tomorrow? So I said, sure, I'll do the same thing tomorrow. So I got to work the next day. I fired up Periscope and I did a cervical manipulation. Sure enough, dude, I had like 15 people who were like, dude, this is great. So I said, you know what? I'm going to do this every day. I'm going to do a new technique or I'm going to teach something new every morning, every weekday, 6.30 a.m. So I did for like 400 weekdays in a row. And, and, and that was how PT on Ice started. And then of course, that was back when nobody was doing live stuff. We didn't know what we were doing. And then of course, like IG live and Facebook live that didn't even exist back then. So, so my point in saying that is it's another great example. I had no plan. I still don't have a plan. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, I just know that every day we're doing what we love at a 10 out of 10 energy level. And it manifests all the opportunities. Periscope just showed up. And I don't want to say bumble through your life and have accidental success. I do want to say, though, if you're doing what you love and you're giving it everything you have and you're open to recognizing kindred spirits who want to do it along with you, business success requires a lot less strategy than people think. That, that I do want to say. And that goes for marketing as well. 
I have a thousand questions just running through my head right now. Um, where do I even start? Okay, so one, I'm very like, I love the way you describe that because it reminds me, and at this point, they really got to start paying me because I'm about to talk about Pinky Cole. Um, it reminds me of my favorite restaurant, my favorite restaurant in the world uh, called Slutty Vegan. And they have this like energy. Now, I mean, granted, you know, I, I've seen a lot of restaurants kind of go through like the promotion marketing thing. All they do is just put like a funny video on Instagram and keep their culture like you just know, right? And to me, it almost sounds like because like you do everything out of 10 out of 10, right? Because people are like, that's infectious. I'm not even gonna lie to you. Right now, it just feels like you're giving me like this mix between like a motivational coach and my football coach, just like, <laughs> I feel so fired up. But I feel like, holy crap, if I was there, I'm in there today. And I'm like, everybody, let's go. And I love that because it reminds me of that. So the question that I have to ask you is how, well, it's a two-part question. How do you create that culture, right? Um, within all of your businesses or like, you know, even how you choose to show up with that 10 out of 10 energy. And then part two is what do you do? Because people got to know at this point, what do you do to get your creative juices flowing? Yeah. The second one, I'm going to go, I'm going to go reverse that the sec, the key to the second one is don't do things you don't like. Your creative juices naturally flow. We are creative beings, right? When we are vibing, when we're on a good energy plane, the creativity is simply a matter of getting yourself out of the way. It's not a matter of doing anything. It's a matter of actually not doing anything, right? The problem is we say yes to a lot of things we don't care about. We're in relationships we don't really value. We're delivering products we don't believe in. All of those things are blocking your creativity. The big key to, to being creative and energetic every day is minimizing your involvement in things you don't believe in. It's not a matter of doing something. It's a matter of not doing things. And I, I know that might sound a little backwards, but I think if you meditate on it a bit, there's something there in that that really is the wellspring to ongoing energy. You are zapped after doing things you don't care about. You are fired up even if you put a lot of energy into it after doing things you love. It's not about what you do. It's, it's not about trying to save energy to be creative. It's about not putting it into areas that don't give back. As far as the culture, if you can do that first one, it's then just, being a, it, it's then just a matter of being picky about when folks say they want to come alongside you you being really picky that you're truly recognizing that same thing in them. And honestly, the only way to do that, I wish there was an easier way, but I don't know of one yet. The only way to figure out who's who is who shows up. That's it. I don't have another way. I wish I had a test. I wish I had a form. I don't have one. I'll give you a great example. Jordan Berry, who I told you um, I own Onward Physical Therapy with alongside Zach Long. Jordan's also lead faculty in ICE. I met Jordan Berry when he was a student and he came to a class in North Carolina. I don't know this guy from nobody, right? He walks up to me at the end of the class, Sunday afternoon. He rolls up to me. Dude barely said a word the whole time, right? Very quiet guy, very intentional learner, very focused dude. Dude rolls up and he says, Dr. Moore, what, what would somebody like me need to do to be involved in what you're trying to create. 
And I said, Jordan, I said, honestly, man, you just got to show up to a lot of classes because you got to get a feel for what we're doing, why we're doing it. You got to have the conversations off hours. And he said, okay. And he walked away. That was it. The dude showed up to 22 weekend classes in the next 10 months. Never said another word. He just showed up to everything. He had no money. He's living in people's basements. He's, he's driving. He's, he's, he's hopping rides. He showed up to everything. There was nothing he could have said that would have made me say, that's my guy. But he showed up. And he showed up in the whole time. Because, man, once, once you're doing something people are noticing, everybody wants to pretend like they want to be a part of it. Oh, dude, I'd be there, man. But. I've got my cousin's neighbor's sister-in-law's fiance's wedding, <laughs> right? It's like, dude, you don't want to be here, right? My man Jordan was in school, hitching rides across the country, sleeping out of basements to sit through a class he had already been to four times. He wants to be here. So it's a matter of looking at who truly shows up for you and your company and your mission. Those are your people. Get them on the train and you'll have a culture that is enviable across every subsection of whatever niche you're trying to develop. I'm just letting it marinate right now. You just dropped a lot of fire just now. Um, <laughs> my goodness, we're going to have to send you the invoice after this episode because, wow. Um, so... <laughs> We like to do a, a segment on our show and um, it's just a segment for us to kind of talk about some, you know, issues and, and uh, impairments or diseases that happen in the, <clears throat> in the black community. And it's just our black health segment, essentially. And so um, for today's segment, uh, I'm going to do something a little bit differently. I'm going to, I'm going to bring up what uh, the topic is. And then based off of that topic, I kind of want you to educate us a little bit on that musculoskeletal condition for the listeners who may listen and they're like, don't really know a lot about this, but I thought this would be the perfect episode to do this. So uh, today's uh, Black Health segment comes from the United States Bone and Joint Initiative. And they found that African-Americans have a higher prevalence of knee symptoms, radiographic knee osteoarthritis, and symptomatic knee osteoarthritis. And they're more likely to have knee and spine osteoarthritis together. So with that being said, Dr. Moore, for those people uh, who don't know what osteoarthritis is or how it presents, talk to us a little bit about OA and um, some ways to kind of combat that Okay, first of all, it's awesome that you all do this. This is a really cool segment of the show. So with osteoarthritis, I want to say a couple of things. The first thing I want to say is that it's a normal process of aging, right? So you're going to have bony changes. You're going to have, and we've really got to be careful on, and we've learned so much in the past 10 years, in the past five years, we've had an overwhelming amount of research showing that you know, imaging findings of osteoarthritis um, are very normal, especially once you're over 30. 
Um, and if, if you don't have correlating relevant clinical symptoms, I don't want to say disregard them, but don't give them more credit than they're due, right? Just because your, your knee joint space is a bit narrow is not something to panic about if you're not actively symptomatic. So first things first, let's let people not be, um, be persuaded into unnecessary invasive interventions because we've got findings of osteoarthritis when we don't have relevant correlating clinical findings. So, so let's get that out of the way first. Number two, let's make sure that we are celebrating the role of movement in these conditions. So a lot of times what you hear is people will say, and you mentioned knee pain first, that I've got bone on bone in my knees, or I've got knee arthritis, I shouldn't be running, or other such nonsense, right? And what does the research say? The exact opposite, right? That moderate levels of even distance running, moderate levels of distance running actually improve knee joint health. So we, we, we see folks getting scared away because they think their bones are having these pathological changes when really they're normal age-related changes. They then withhold back from movement and now they become symptomatic when they were asymptomatic. So the big thing I would say is for those of you who are hearing you might have this condition, number one, stop being so afraid of it. And number two, celebrate the fact that motion is lotion and movement should be your number one to, um, weapon in the attempt to combat this. So I'm going to ask you uh, uh, two follow-ups and these are just kind of uh, more, more fun questions. The, the first question that I want to ask you is, and you might have a couple different instances that come to mind, but whatever, which, whatever you want to share, you know, we, we, we definitely want to hear. Um, of course, we know HIPAA, but just in terms of your clinical experience, what would you say uh, has been the most complex case that you've seen uh, in the orthopedic setting thus far? So I've seen a couple of gunshot wounds that were really multifactorial right? Because there was nervous system involvement. There was PTSD. So there were mental health considerations on board. Um, there was the obvious, there were other things in that person's life that were challenging that were kind of surrounding that event. So all of that, there was really relevant physical stuff um, to tissue that doesn't heal very well. Um, that when not healthy has really significant um, ramifications from a functional perspective. There was the mental health component um, of, of the recent um, very, very, um, sort of scary and just overall intense moment of, of having that injury inflicted. And then there were other things going on in that person's um, sort of, so, sort of um, social world that were challenging their rehab, not a lot of support on board. And, and so all the things that make it hard to rehab somebody and make the, make the environment more complex, were all on board in, in two of those circumstances. So I would say that as far as trying to get someone all the way to the goal, that's way up there at the top of the list. Okay. And then the second question that I have for you, which I'm actually very, very interested to hear what you're going to say for this question, but who would you say is on your Mount Rushmore of physical therapy? I know one. I know one off the bat. I think I know one because of your USA time. Yeah, we'll wow. see. Wow. This is tough. This is tough. Um, there, there's a... There, there's there's a few of them so so number one tim can you guys still can you still hear me okay yeah, you're i thought good. my earbud gave me a little alert i thought my earbud gave me an alert there um so tim flynn is on my mount rushmore um tim has been a, a personal mentor 
but a business mentor and a leader in our field and a consummate professional and across every domain, clinical practice, teaching, research, um, just having a hand in all the things. Um, and just that unbelievable um, impact across all those domains over such a period of time um, puts him way at the top of that list. Um, Julie Whitman is way up there for me on the Mount Rushmore. Um, Julie has done, Julie is one of those unsung heroes, I think. Um, huge leader, again, in the research world, um, the last person to celebrate her own achievements, um, but just built, you know, with Evidence in Motion, had such a huge growing fellowship program. Julie was spearheading that and just, just knocking down barriers and doing so much relationship development wise um, with groups that would not normally have an easy time getting along. Julie had such an unbelievable way to connect people to, for, for the greater good. And I think if people understood what Julie's really accomplished, um, she would have even more revere than she does in our profession. And another one, uh, two, can I do four? <laughs> There's four people on Mount Rushmore. You could do, <laughs> no, you could number, do five number, if you want, go for it. <laughs> number three is Julie Fritz for the unbelievable amount of, of, of research that that woman has put forth and spearheaded um, over now decades of work and just helping us understand. And, and always doing it with that humility of not overstating our findings, like always having that, yes, we found some stuff out, but, and always willing to accept the, that uncertainty that is so challenging to be okay with, um, that really fosters that next most important question. Um, and so, so she, the work she's done, we all stand on her shoulders in so many ways when it comes to us being an evidence-based field. Um, and the number four is Kelly Sturette. I don't know Kelly Sturette personally. Um, he's been on some masterminds things. I've, I've been in conferences where he's been involved. Um, but he was willing. What I love about Kelly Sturette, and I know a lot of folks give him a hard time, like Supple Leopard, and everyone's got really strong feelings, whatever. You, you know that, you know Teddy Roosevelt's um, man in the arena quote? That it's about the man in the arena. It's not about the person in the stands who's judging. It's about the person down in the thick of it, swinging away. I've always felt that way. And I always felt like Kelly, who, who has a healthy respect for the research, at least as I understand it, always felt it was more about, were you willing to be in the moment doing your best with what you have? Because everybody's always like, oh, we can't say that works. Well, dude, I don't know about you, Carl, but I can't tell my four o'clock patient on Tuesday that we need more research. They're there for some help, you know, and you got to do something. Like, I know the research isn't perfect. I know that we can challenge it until the end of time, and we should. But in the meantime, we should also try to help these people with what we think we do know and see if we can't be of some service. And Kelly always seemed willing to do that when everybody else you know, challenged everything he did. He was willing to say, look, I'm just trying my best. And these things seem to be working for some athletes who are trying to operate at a very high level. And I'm down here on the platform trying to make something happen. And I respect the hell out of that. So um, those are a handful of people. There's so many uh, that would go on that list, but, but that's a small subsection. Man. Those are some powerhouses. Those are some powerhouses. They just mentioned the plenty of Mount Rushmore. Listen, for me, it's a little different if I was to create my own Mount Rushmore. I'd put our t-shirts. And here's why I would do that. To the listeners, you know what time it is. Yes, sir. I am the Segway King. 
I have the black one. Carl has the white one. We have the gray one. Now, if you listen to yeah, uh, last week's episode, I told you the time was going to come when we we're going to stop doing the customized one, right? The red, you know, and the other stuff. But from the bottom of my heart, I feel this episode is too good not to be able to offer that to you. So if you listen, I'm not joking. We're not, we're really not going to do it after this one. If you want to be able to get your shirt, all you have to do is text the word shirt to 3213846275. Again, that's the word shirt to 3213846275. For the last time, you can get the black. Well, you can always get the black. You can always get the white, but you can get the gray. You can get the red. Limited time only, literally. It's not one of those limited time in a month from now. It's going to be limited, right? If you don't get it on this one, you're never going to get it again unless we find one in the storage and then, you know, we'll just put it up for like 500 bucks because we do what we want, right? Text the word shirt, 321-346-275. And remember, I know half y'all were listening and you were fired up and you did not take notes. That's why we take them for you. But to get them, all you got to do, text the word study guide, right? That's study guide to 321-384-6275. Again, 321-384-6275. Text the word study guide to get the notes so that you can actually learn and apply what you heard on this episode today. Thanks for that, Paul. Man, this was this was phenomenal. Let me just say from myself and Paul and the whole OTC family, thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, making the time, you know, out of your busy schedule to hop on this. And uh, shout out to Donette. Whenever you hear this, shout out to you, Don, for making the connection. Uh, greatly appreciate you. Um, Dr. Moore, for anyone who's listening and this is their first time being exposed to you and you know they'd like to follow up with you or connect with you, what would be some social media or contact info you would want to leave with them? Yeah, for sure. So the easiest thing is just follow Ice Physio um, on Instagram. So it's I-C-E Physio. Um, you can follow Jeff Moore DPT as well. Um, I'm pretty active on, on Instagram. So those two handles on Instagram would be great. Um, PTonice.com. That's the website. All the Institute of Clinical Excellence stuff is on there. All the certifications, all the courses, um, anything you've ever want to see as far as the company is on there. Um, if you want to check out Onward Physio, um, you can follow that Instagram handle. Um, Onward is the, out, is the outpatient practice that I run with my, with my buddies there and we're scaling up across the country. Um, and then I, I, I'm a faculty um, at South College. So if you ever want it, for those of you who are pre-PT, if you're thinking about PT school, um, I teach the musculoskeletal curriculum at South College um, out of Knoxville, Tennessee. So um, it's a two-year program down there. So if you want to check that out, hit me up. My email is jeffmoredpt at gmail.com. My cell phone is 303-359-3597. Hit me up anytime. Perfect, perfect. To our lovely listeners, this was so much fire in one episode. Please, please reach out to Dr. Moore. For my SPTs that are listening, my new grads, my pre-PTs, even if you're not in the physical therapy niche, Hit Dr. Moore up and tell him how fire this episode was, how much you enjoyed the the gems and the knowledge that he brought to us today. And do me and Paul a favor as well. Go on Apple Podcasts, look for Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneur Podcast, scroll all the way down to the bottom, click the five stars, and also leave us two to three sentence review. Please, we would greatly appreciate it. 
we tell you guys this just because we want other people to see the value in what we're doing and the value that's being brought to the show through phenomenal guests such as Dr. Moore. So please do us that favor, leave us that review. Once again, Dr. Moore, this was amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And to our lovely listeners, once again, you know what time it is. Until next time, peace, many blessings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.